Hey, Jimbo, you ready for this deal? Fire in a hole. <laughs> Howdy, friends and neighbors. Time once again for the Cowboys of the Osage podcast with your host, Jimbo Snively and Cody Garnett. Now, let's sing a little bit about it. Cowboys of the Osage, riding once again. Always got some time for a friend. Here they are, the Cowboys of the Osage. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Cowboys of the Osage podcast, brought to you by the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum and the Buck and Flamingo Turquoise Shop, both located right downtown historic Pahuska, Oklahoma. It's old Cody over here, and as always, I have my main man with me, Mr. Rodeo Historian himself, Mr. Local Osage County historian himself. Probably wrote a song on the way over here. It's a long drive from Pahuska, like almost 45 minutes. Jimbo Snively. Good morning, Jimbo. Good to see you. Who the heck do we have here? Hi, Cody boy. It's another great day in Osage, man. And uh, Cody, we're sitting here in the old Crossbell Mondor Ranch House. Probably the most historic, one of the most historic ranches in the United States, really. And, uh, Everybody's heard of it, but September 26, 1970, the owner, E.C. the third, was murdered just a few feet from here, an unsolved murder, and uh, one of the largest insurance ever filed in the United States, $15 million insurance policy against the, uh, against the death, you know, just a re- made all the headlines it was just a big deal it's crazy at the time it was the largest insurance policy in the united states wasn't it the the, the largest one yeah but anyway it's just a great ranch and uh about two years ago laura teague bought it and she's doing great things with it uh and we're going to get in she's sitting here with us we're going to get into what she's going to do with the ranch why she bought it and all that but also the mondo ranch was uh famous for its horses and its cowboys and we've got one of the Mondor Cowboys with us, Mr. Mick Foreman, one of the Roping Foremans. And he's going to tell us some old Mondor stories, I'm sure. Some of them you probably can't tell. But, <laughs> but we're going to get into all that. And we just really can't wait to uh, peel back the onion on this old Mondor ranch. So, well, howdy. It's nice. Laura and Mick, welcome to the Cowboys of the Osage podcast. Glad to be here. Happy to be here. Laura, what made you want to buy this ranch? Had you ever heard of it before? No. um, Actually, our daughter, Charlie, went to OSU um, and Oklahoma State and Stillwater, and we just, we would come visit her, and we just started loving it here. I mean, Oklahoma is so different than Colorado, and and I'm a born and raised Coloradoan. I lived there for 54 years, and um, we... We started coming, we kind of started looking at ranches, and we, we started thinking about getting out of Colorado because it was getting more di- more difficult politically, and we had, um, you know, we, had, we farmed there, so our, our business was based on irrigation, and we knew that was going to probably eventually go back to the municipality of the Front Range, Denver, and Colorado Springs, and Fort Collins, and so... Um, one day we were here and we went to our attorney, Jeff Todd, who I, got, I know you guys know, and we sat at back fee and tap and we 
just drew on their whiteboard. They have a big whiteboard in their um, conference room, and we drew all the steps that it would take for us to leave Colorado and get here. And and then about two weeks later, Jeff called and he said, hey, um, I don't know if you'd be interested in this, but I had heard that the cross bell might be able to be bought. And so we, um, we went back to the drawing board, and, and my kids, you know, their heads are spinning because all the things that would have to happen for us to be able to do it and come here. And, and, it, and it was monumental. I mean, it wasn't like just you know, dumping some land on the market and buying another ranch. It was a lot of things had to fall into place. And we started working, and that was about four years ago, and it took us uh, about a year and a half to get our act together, and then it took about two more years to buy the ranch. And, um, and so we, we bought it because we really love it here. And um, I... I you know, you don't live somewhere 54 years and pick up and leave and not wish you mm-hmm. a little piece of you was back. And, and I don't. I don't have any regrets at all. I, I love the Osage. I love this ranch. And we intend to make it better every day we're here. And so that's kind of our story. Such, and, a, his, such and, a historic ranch. I mean, it is. Just... And Charlie manages the ranch for us. She's, she's our lead person here. She manages the cowboys and... Um, we run about 2,000 cows here. We have the BLM contract, of course, that came with it. And, um, and then we run some goats trying to maybe fix some of the manage- management issues that have occurred over the years with the horses. The horses are hard on grass, so you got to manage it a little different. And so, um, but, but for the first time in my life, I've always just wanted to be a rancher, but we've had to do so many other things to be successful in agriculture. And I can say... Now I'm a rancher and a business owner in Pasco, Cody. <laughs> oh yeah, you're one of the. You're great too. She's doing so, some big things downtown. You know, she's. Well, I'm just speculating. She's dumped millions and millions of dollars downtown Pasco, Oklahoma, just restoring these old buildings, bringing them back to life, putting some really great things she's been telling me about in them. I mean, I'm real excited for what they're doing around here, Jimbo. Oh, I know it. It's great. Uh, I see it followed on Facebook, and she's definitely one of Pahuska's leading citizens, that's for sure. You know, uh, Laura, let me ask you about these wild horses real quick, mm-hmm. because we got a lot of people that watch, and, you know, we take it for granted around here. We see them everywhere. All the big ranches have a good contract, it seems like, with them. What exactly is that for people that don't know? Because uh, So it all started in 1972. The United States citizens voted that wild horses should be a martyr, I guess, and, and you cannot, you cannot never destroy a wild horse. And so, or, you know, you can't euthanize them, you can't put them out of their um, habitat. And so what happened is in their herd management areas in Utah and Nevada and Colorado and um, Wyoming, they are extremely overpopulated. So they had to get them off the range. And then the other thing that happened simultaneously is the government started kind of conceding to pressure from environmental people to get the ranchers off the BLM lands. Well, the ranchers are who had the developed water on these horses' native ranges. And so when you kick a rancher off the BLM land, the water goes away. So you have thousands and thousands of horses. Um, You know, some herd management areas, they're 1,000% overpopulated. And so the government rounds them up, brings them, um, ranchers apply for a contract, 
to house these wild horses because they cannot be euthanized or otherwise disposed of. Of course, we've gotten rid of horse slaughter, and so whether you're a proponent of horse slaughter or not, you know, it, it just created a lot of issues. So, so that, and they've also decided um, Oklahoma is perfect for these horses because we're rocky. They, you know, they don't get long feet. You can run these horses for, we have some 35-year-old horses on this ranch. They just, they do very well. They're full, you know, they have full feed. They have great grass. They, um, we put mineral and salt out for them is, is um, and then, so, so it's just kind of a function, it, you know, it's crazy political mind game because it, it does cost our government a lot of money to do that, but, but they are also very well cared for in a very good environment. Are they sterilized? Yes, we have all all geldings. So you either get all mares or all geldings, and we have all geldings. And so, you know, that creates. So we have a bunch of like horses that were stallions for the first ten to twenty five years of their life, and then they geld them and they send them out. So, uh, you know, there's some um, management issues with geldings that have been studs for fifteen years, but we manage that, and we are actually trying to train them to rotate because we. As ranchers, we have we're very dry in Colorado, very arid, so we we have to manage our ranches really well, and we use rotational grazing in that process. And so we're we're in the process of training horses to move, and you know it's really even hard moving a horse from pasture to pasture when they have never moved in their entire life, and you know you have to learn to just put barely a little pressure to get them to move. But we're we're starting to move the horses, and we're seeing incredible reaction to our grass by doing that. And even when you can get a horse group off uh, off of grass for six weeks to let it recover a little bit, we're seeing phenomenal changes. And so it's going to take a long time, And we're, but that's our goal. Because the horses are going to be here for a long time. They live a long time. So even if they ended the contract today, we'd still be in it for 20 more years just because horses live when they're well taken care of or have good environments to live in. And um, so... Maybe we'll get some of those old studs trained to move. How often do they bring you new horses? Or do uh, they? So the way those work is you turn in an inventory every month, and then once and your contract is for a certain number of head. And when you're low on your contract, then they call and say, would you like to take more horses? And we either say yes or no. And sometimes we say yes, and sometimes we say no, because our range conditions just won't handle it. And of course, you guys know, I moved from a location where we had 11 inches of moisture, and we came here thinking we were going to get 50 inches and um, you know, the, the Lord blesses. You brought ranch. the dry weather with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you ought to be. <laughs> this is perfect for you guys. Dry, arid land yes. right now. You're, you're, right you're doing really good with yeah. Good thing you got lots of <laughs> experience. Yeah. Lots of experience with that. Yeah, so anyway, that's that's a little bit about those wild horses. So, you know, it is good for ranchers. It helps ranchers make land payments, but, it, but it's also a real need of our government. And unfortunately, until something changes on either the horse slaughter end or that people don't, you know, people maybe come to the realization that you can euthanize a horse, then, um, and we're getting pretty political here, but. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't trying to, but yeah. you know what, I think that uh, it's actually legal to slaughter horses here. The USDA will not inspect it for human consumption. Correct. But they will, uh, they can slaughter horses for zoo meat, because I've heard of the, heard of that happening with some of these wild horses, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. But I, I have been asking Cody for, since I think I moved here, 
I am a historian. I love history, and I understand how historic this ranch is. And, you know, there's a lot more history here than just E.C. Mullendore's murder. And, you know, we, we've got, we've really become engaged with the community. We, we love the people here. And um, so the more people you know and the more people you say we, we bought the Mullendore, the more stories you hear. And so I'd been asking Cody if he could get, get a group of cowboys together or the cowboy mm. because I love to hear the stories and I, I want to learn more history of the ranch. And so I think, Cody, you've done that today. You know, when you bought this ranch, in our minds here, this is just as big as buying the King Ranch. Oh, yeah. Four Sixes. Any of the big ranches you've ever heard of, Pitchfork Ranch, any of them, this thing's right up there with them. In our opinion, right here, so. for yeah. sure. I mean, such a historic ranch has got tons of history. And there's been two major books written on it. Yeah, you know, I mean, what ranch? I mean, you know, it tells you something out there. Know. So it's well known all over the country. You talk about the cross bell, and people know what you're talking about for sure in the Western world. You know, they're probably gonna be selling all the T-shirts and everything, just like the four sixes cross bell right. nationwide. There you go, Mick. What's your first memory of this ranch? First memory. I guess uh, going to work, going to work with my dad uh, at a young age. I always pretty pretty into horses, and I didn't mind working. A couple of years after we were here, we came in. Uh, I think I was the first grade. I'd be mid fifties, early fifties. After about two years, EC come to me, and uh, that was after uh, he took it over. And he said, do you want to go on my payroll? I said, sure. So, uh, but EC and I got along real good. We were really good friends along with being a boss, you know, and, and, uh, my first check was $15. I went on payroll for $15 every two weeks. But $15 would buy but something back then, too. a lot of money back yeah. then. Yeah, for a kid. He paid his single guys like uh, $100 a month, room and board. Mm-hmm. And the, the cowboys that was married that he had out on the places like Max Camp and mm-hmm. different places, he uh, they got... Uh, 300 a month, house furnished, meat, bills, electric, stuff. That's a, that was a lot of money. Yeah, that wasn't bad. But, you know, I, people won't tell you this or if you ask them, but I never did mind working, but I always wanted to have something to show for my work, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't greedy over how much money or nothing like that. And... Uh, then as I become older, he increased my pay. And when I turned 18, I married my wife, Bobby. Mm-hmm. He moved us to one of the, over on the west side. That was, we took care, I took care of 1,200 cows, mama cows. And uh, I stayed with him till I don't know when, but before we get up to that part, this this ranch was... I remember one of the very few, you're talking about big ranches and did things. I remember shipping cattle 
on boxcars. The Hewlett stockyards down here, they finally moved the depot somewhere. Mm -hmm. But uh, we would load cattle on boxcars. That's how they sent them to market or wherever. And uh, Buck Borum stockyards over on the... Was this the Santa Fe Railroad or what was it? I couldn't tell you what railroad it was. I just know uh, I was a young kid and right. I was real excited to help get them cattle on there. And then I wanted to jump my horse on that boxcar and ride that go train. <laughs> Make sure they got there. Yeah, and, and we'd, we'd go to the Borum stockyards over there and we'd load more cattle, you know. The Gila was on this side, Buck Borum was on this side. And uh, anyway, uh, where were they headed out to Kansas City or Chicago or where? Too young to know. Who knows? Uh, Rocky or I, Cody? I just I didn't know. I was just into being a cowboy. How know? many head at a time would y'all stick on a railroad car? You remember me? Uh, yeah, it seemed to me like one of them box cars would hold around twenty, twenty five head, and. Uh, I could be wrong. Could be a few more, give or take. But uh, to put them up them little wooden chutes and on there and uh, and then do that, and like I said, getting to ride the train and do this. And and, uh, and then when we fed, the, what I always loved about this ranch, it was all uh, original. Original. What I'm talking about, original. Uh, you... Drug calves to the fire, and uh, everything you did, you did horseback. If there was something else to be done, like hay hauling or <clears throat> fence building, he hired people to do that. Cowboys did cowboy work. And then back to the horses, he had one of the best, best set of broodmares ever was. And uh, these horses were endurance horses and uh, well I say by endurance until EC took it over Gene would never let you touch a horse till he was five years old that's what Joe told me and after after uh, EC took it over I talked to him and I said hey let me break some of these horses younger I said there's a lot of people out there want your horses mm -hmm. for the simple fact is uh, uh, you know if you needed to catch a cow out there it weighed 1200 pounds you catch it and you could load it in a trailer later on when we got the little bitty trailers and the little, little bitty trucks and, but they were tough uh, get up of a morning some of the cowboys would ride 10 miles to the pasture where we was going to work. We'd work cattle all day long. They'd ride 10 miles back. And uh, these horses would still be going. You could sadly might ride him next day if you wanted to. They were just a different breed of horses. Joe said those older horses that Gene wouldn't let them break early, said that would never get real gentle, though. You know, they'd... Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, some of them would, some of them wouldn't. Then, yeah. and And... When he, when he got to getting the outside stallions, he went and bought a, a gray stud. He always had that little king stud from down there. And uh, and when he started crossing some of them little king mares with that C-bar badger, 
And then he got a, a, a Bill Doolin, Bill Son Doolin stud, and he started crossing him with some of them little kings. And then Ron Hancock, he just kept building a little here and a little there. And, man, he come up with some of the nicest horses. Troy Fort trip steers on one of the horses I broke and trained. And I, I got EC to selling them. He, he, he got to, we was talking, and he said, won't you take some of them horses out and, and uh, take them some of them ropings? And I said, I'll do that for advertisement. And I, I'd take them and rope them on them. And, and uh, you know, they got to being known, but we got to breaking them at two coming three, but they could take it. They were that kind. And, uh, and then I got to weaning 10 of the best fillies every year. And I'd take them. I took a lot of them out here to the horse barn and wean them, halter break them, ride them just a little bit and turn them out. And then later on when he started registering them, if one needed doctor and you could handle it. See where I'm going, and uh, at one time and point in time in there, he sold everything that wasn't registered, and they had a big drive from here to Pawhuska. I've heard about that. Yeah, I had too. And uh, some bucking horse people bought them. Some, that was Gene Heron was involved in that, I think. Yeah, some of yeah. the some of the cowboys bought them. Yeah. And this and that and there. they were just special kinds of horses. Right. And I've heard. Good, bad, and ugly about all of them. But that, to me, that is all in who's breaking, who's training. I'm not putting anybody down, but you know yourself there's sure. this, that. There's Did they drive them all the way to Pahuska? Pahuska. Right down the highway? Or side of the highway? Or? Down the highway. Yeah. I think, Laura, your family's you're keeping that good horse blood going, aren't you? Didn't you all just win some sort of big, we we, big-time thing, Jimbo? I know what I saw. We uh, we raised Metallic Cat on a ranch in Colorado, and um, he's going to be legendary. He's already, but we own a horse named Tagline, and he was just the junior world uh, senior world champion cutting horse in the L two division. But um, we rope off him, and his babies are just coming three now. His very first ones, and so we're just starting them. But he's kind of like that big, you know, he's bigger yeah, horse, yeah. big footed, and. Yeah. Big boned, and Charlie and I just got back from the cutting horse futurity, and we just kept commenting how our babies are big footed and big boned compared to a lot of horses these days. So, anyway, that's Charlie, your trainer too. <laughs> no, she does. She rides with us, but yeah. she's you have a trainer train. on staff. We, we're trying to find one right now, so okay. no, we don't. But right. we're just now getting enough colts that we really need a trainer, and and we're talking about having a horse sale in Pahuska for Osage County horses right there in the square. Yeah. Our, it's one of Charlie's goals well, to see, have a horse sale on Main Street. Yeah. I have uh, a gray mare in my barn. It belongs to my daughter. It goes back to that old Seabar Badger 71. That was one of the main studs way back. It's, it's right on the papers. Those and I have a colt that's got it on its papers. It's two, two and a half now, and I've got her green broke. So I've still got that bloodline, and they are. I can tie ten to them head horses. Them guys riding out nowadays to the saddle horn and pull them all anywhere I want to take them. <laughs> but they were that kind of horses, and the trippers loved them. Trippers loved them, and uh, Joe had one he liked real well, and somebody shot it. You remember that? 
not really, but uh, yeah. I rode Joe's horse one yeah, time. He had a gray horse that he was really pretty high on up here. My uncle had two of them uh, little king grays. One of them he called old gray and one old blue. Yeah. And uh, they were top notch tripping horses. And uh, uh, oh heck, John Johnny Joe Miller. Yeah. He rode one of them. Went to Ben Johnson on a black black horse. I broke and trained him. But those horses were special. And I tell people this sometimes, and they'll look at me like, that old lion son of a, you know what? <laughs> when you fed them cattle, like I say, and care and feed, they'd, feel the, they had, they'd bring them semis in and fill this barn up out here. And then they got, had guys that would take, uh, fill them cake houses up, what we called them. A, a pasture would have a big old round building in there. And uh, they'd fill that full of cubes, and you go up there horseback and pin them in wire pins and had troughs, and then you carried out there on your shoulder. 100-pound sacks. 100-pound sacks. Purina, 32%, uh, cotton seed, whatever. How many sacks would it take to feed those 1,200 cows? Them over there? Yeah. Uh, he would feed on an average of five pounds a day. That'd be about 60 sacks. But, uh, and then in the 60s, he come up with uh, some trucks, little flatbed trucks. No feeders, just trucks. Right. So you could put it on that and drive out there and put it in granny gear and get up there more. That was, that was the deal, you know. But uh, So you'd feed those cows every day right around those cake houses. There's still two cake houses, I think, on the yeah, ranch. There was, on- was wire pins at every cake house and you gathered them put your feet out and you counted them in and if there was one not there two not there you went and found them you drove them up and fed them outside the pens and then you let them out every day they got their grub but oh indian trick i'll call it uh we built sleds Eight foot long, made them out of two by twelves, runners, put a short chain in front, tied it off on 15 foot or 10, 12 foot, nylon rope. Any horse we rode any day, you throw 10 bags of feed on that and they'd pull it. Try that sometime. There's two horses on this Mullendore ranch that pull a dead ton, 20 foot, and you'd have to pull him up. Never once. Would they ring their tail, run backwards, or quit? They were endurance horses. And that one set of pins over to Kennedy, that's where he would wean all the yearlings and uh, put them in there. And they were four sets of pins off of an alleyway in a big holding trap. And you would put... There was 20 troughs in each pen. You would put 20 bags of feed in each pen. And then you would count so many head. And when they got on, you let them out the alleyway, you filled them again. And like I said, any horse you had a saddle on would pull 10 bags. If you could pull 20 bags out there with two horses, you didn't have to make 20 trips back and forth to the... And my dad... 
he had a little sawl horse. His name was Spider, as far as I'm going. But uh, <laughs> anyway, he was one of the ones that would pull a ton. And you set the sled at an angle, and you swing it and then go 20 foot and stop. Then you pull it over and go. You pull, pull it in the pen, take off four bags. I left 16. You do that again, and before you knew it, use it at the end of the deal. And you'd fill them pins two, two and a half, three times. But he would wean his calves, winter them, summer them, and then send them to market. He didn't wean them off the cows and ship them. That's, that's how he got the big. He sold them at eight, 800 pounds instead of five and six. What kind of cattle were they stocking here at the time? Herefords, and then got into Black Baldies. And uh, they were both good, but the Black Baldies were so much better. And uh, better milkers. Black Baldies were a lot better milkers. Were you, were you around that time uh, John Wayne came to the Hereford Bull sale out at All Reds? Were you here? I don't remember. You don't remember? Was. Gotcha. Yeah. But uh, he went to Texas and brought some... Uh, some really good two-year-old bulls. One time he called them T.O. bulls. They had a big T.O. That was one of them big ranches down there. And they still had weights on their horns to turn their horns down. They weren't muleys. They were horned cattle. And he kept, he kept good quality. He didn't have junk cattle. There wasn't a junk cow in this place. And anyway, uh, I can't think of that. Oh, no. He built saddles. In oh, yeah. Oh, no, Hill, right? right? That's his name. Yes, sir. Okay. Famous, famous saddle maker we from Bartlesville. We went to him one time and asked him if he could build saddles that we could use up here. And he said, well, what's wrong? Well, my dad put that horse on 20 bags of feed and went about four steps and the whole front end come out of that saddle. <laughs> he, he, put, he, put, he pulled that saddle into and. uh he built, built some saddles that were double bull hide covered trees, oh, and wow. you, could, you couldn't pull them in two with a semi truck. Uh, but, uh, have you seen one of those recently? Yes. Do you I, have one? I, I don't have one. Uh, I rode mine till there's nothing left, but uh, anyway, no. there's one or two guys around, but they've redone them, so they're not original. But he, that old man could build a saddle. He was, he was a good. I got one over at the museum. Oh. Do you? Yep. Awesome saddles. Awesome saddles. Yep. Oh, no. Hill. That's the only reason I got uh, acquainted with him. The guy that was the president of the National Benton Spur and Saddle Association's president there for a while, he brought it up. Matter of fact, when, mm-hmm. when, when I left uh, the ranch, he, uh, he tried to get me to come down there and let him teach me to make saddles and take over his business. He said, I'll give you my name, brand, and everything. Just take over. And I didn't. You know what you do when you're young, dumb, you don't do what you're supposed to. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I didn't, I didn't do it. But uh, Mick had your grandpa Joe get, a, get uh, affiliated with the Mondors. He came not too long after my dad. Oh, because your dad came first. Okay, yeah. I thought maybe yeah. it was your grandpa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then my uncle came, Doodle. Okay, yeah. And, uh, Doodle's Paulie's dad. Paulie's dad. 
And somebody asked me the other day, did Paulie ever work for Mullen Doors? And you know, to my knowledge, I don't know if he was ever on payroll or not, but he was around, you know, sure. he was, you know, he was, uh, you know. Has Polly ever really yeah, worked yeah. for anybody? Right, right, well, no, say. no. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, seriously, if you wanted to work and learn something, you could do it here. If you want to be a cowboy, you could be. But if you didn't, I don't know how many of them I've seen come in here and walk, head down the road, work long enough to get a plane t- or a, a bus ticket, and that's gone. But if you want to stay with it. I wonder how many cowboys today would feed out of 100-pound sacks of feed. How many would they? Well, yeah, how many would do that now? Several. <laughs> yeah, our, our little old ranch is so poor. When my dad moved from McAllister, to our, you wouldn't even believe how they were feeding Jim Bowie. Okay. It was crazy. If it, is it, we kept our using horses, but that's all we had was using horses. Because uh, every morning, 4 o'clock, get up. That was my dad. <laughs> I'd go outside Go around the horse trap and gather them using horses in there. And uh, I was about 12. I'd uh, get one of them 100 pound sacks of sweet feed on my shoulder and I'd go out there in that feed trough. I'd put two of them in there on about 12 head of horses and go back in and eat breakfast. And then I'd either go to school or we'd saddle up and go to work. Where'd you go to school at? Bowering. Bowering. I graduated Bowering. Okay. Seven in the, my class. No. But, uh, <laughs> There's not too many. They still got about seven in each class yeah. over there at Bowering. Yeah, C- countryfied. I'm countryfied. But uh, did, did everybody have their own horses? Everybody, everybody took their own horses. And uh, like I said, there's some of them. Was cowboys, some of them wasn't. The ones that wasn't usually messed up a pretty good horse. And uh, they never monkeyed with trying to break them or anything. And them would go over here somewhere else, and sometimes somebody would come along, straighten them out. And sometimes they didn't. And some of them horse, I rode a horse one time on a bet. And he was rode one time. He was three years old, and he was about eight or nine. And they sold him in that sale, and he was never cut. I bet a guy I could saddle that horse up in the morning, ride him to the Kennedy pins, and rope a steer, one of them yearlings off of him, before the day was over, a bottle of pop. <laughs> you needed to bet bigger, buddy. My Uncle Doodle gets there from Paul Husky. At least you could have done a milkshake. Yeah. I said, uh, you got to help me out here, so we rope this sucker and get a halter on him. I get a saddle on him. And he snubs him. Them other cowboys keep pushing him. We get over in that big pasture. And them pastures that are pastures, they're not little traps, you know. I said, head south and go around. And I said, when we come over that big hill, this big valley over here, that's where we'd push them all to. And I said, when we get over that valley, I said, turn me loose. And we went up over that big hill, kind of pulled the air out of him. When we come to the bottom, he handed me the lead rope he was leading me with. 
I tied it around his neck, and I got my rope down. Everybody's tied solid. There's about 700 yearlings strung out for about three-quarters of a mile up that valley, and I got him pointed in that direction. And I took off, and right before he got wound up really running hard, one of them turned just close enough I could rope it. <laughs> and the ride was on. I rode him through all the bucking, and then I got off of him, and I was laying in the grass rolling, laughing. And they heeled the steer down, took my rope off. I took him home, turned him out, and he's never touched again. <laughs> Did y'all have a roping arena over here, me? No, no. No arena, but uh, down at my dad's place, there was uh, a monster lot out there. And we'd take some of these goats and rope them goats down there. We'd make a little make makeshift chute and rope them goats out in that big deal. All, all of our roping come from work, you know. Yes, sir. If you rode in there and dragging calves, you, uh, if you rope one around the neck, they throw rocks at you. <laughs> you heeled them down, pulled them, and they'd step over them, leg them down, brand them, turn them loose. That's where. And I just worked at it hard, worked hard, and practiced hard, and. Got where I could finally catch and had a lot of fun at it and still have fun at it. But uh, Did y'all doctor a lot of cattle out in the pasture? Not you? really, other than pink eye. The gotcha. Herefords were known to have pink eye. And I know... How'd you treat it back in? With a blue... What was that? Blue... It was a blue in a little round bottle. Gotcha. And like a blue lotion. Yes, sir. And everybody had a medicine bag. And uh, you just catch them calves and... And or whatever, you know, around go around the ponds when it's hot, they'd be bedded up around the ponds and you'd uh, catch it and doctor it and turn it loose and they usually took care of it. If I bet got, they roped a lot of them just on suspecting they had pink eyes. Yeah, just check. Yeah, yeah, just to check. It. Well, you had to check one out. You wasn't really sure. Or foot rot. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, they, uh, EC didn't care if you roped the animals, if you wasn't stupid about it. And uh, I'll tell you this funny story, and then you go do something else, and then I'm going to shut up for a while. But I was telling him coming up here, and I come by them rye pastures down there. He had his longhorn herd in there. We were all coming into the cook shack to eat lunch. And uh, we'd roped a couple of them, just team roped them, turned them loose. Ora Brown's brother, his name was Roy Brown. And everybody called him Duke. He had a sleepy eye and uh, smoked cigarettes constantly, had it hanging off his lip. <laughs> he just started to, started to run one and rope it, and EC comes popping down the driveway. This the rye pastures are down here. And his uh, aura, he was a hollering, No, Duke. No, Duke. And Duke just kept going. He ropes it. Somebody ran in there and healed it. EC was getting closer. They get the rope off. Aura rides up there, and he was he was a big brother. Aura was a cowboy, yes, a sir. cowboy. And he says, Duke, I told you not to do that. He said, well, I thought you was telling me, go, Duke. Go. <laughs> 
but he see he drives by and we looks over at us and he waves and goes on down the road. He didn't care. He he was a good man. He was a good man, really good to work for and otherwise. But I don't know what happened later on in life, but uh, everything started going south and then he hired a. If you don't want to put this in there, you don't have to. But he hired a guy by the name of Dale Court. He was going to come in here and manage this ranch and get it out of debt. And uh, he was one of them little 200-cal ranchers, you know, manager-like deal. Didn't nobody like him. Didn't nobody get along with him. That's when I left. I didn't get along with him at all. <laughs> I didn't. He, we just, he didn't know, he didn't know how to manage a ranch of this size, this caliber. He didn't know. It wasn't in his... And he didn't know how to get along with the cowboys. And like they said, nobody got along with him. And How'd the ranch get in that bad of shape? Mick? Yeah, there's always someone like that in every oh, yeah. organization. Joe you know, said the someone, same thing. Someone, yeah. someone always comes along, no matter. You yeah. work with someone you don't like, my, always. My best, from what I could recollect, at one time he probably had eight or ten bulldozers going every day. He was doing a lot of... He had two or three fencing crews hired by the mile, and I don't know how many miles of fence. I was telling Cody about that fence there north of Pahuska, up the Chubb. I think Chubb helped build it or maybe build it, but yeah. used seven-inch corner posts and, yeah. and uh, line posts were like 10 feet apart with a stay or two in between them. I'm yeah, just yeah. overbuilding them, you know, a little yeah, bit. and uh, I think he just went a little too fast, a little too, too much. Yeah. You know. And realized what he done, and kind of went to borrowing money off of maybe the wrong people. I don't know. But, right. uh, uh, I couldn't. I couldn't. That'd have to be somebody that knew what they was talking about. Right. That's my theory only. My theory only. <coughs> was but, there? A, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was. Was there a traditional bunkhouse here on the place? Right out there on top of that uh, shop. She was telling. She went. The, there was a shop on the bottom. The bunkhouse was on top. You went upstairs, and they had beds in there. So how many guys would stay in there? They would be from 2 to 15 in that bunkhouse. Just and depending, yeah. Just, just depending. But the, like I said, there was a big, pretty big turnover. Yeah. If you come in here, if you come in here and use a cowboy and you knew how to work, you didn't have a problem. You, you wouldn't have a problem with EC if you didn't know how. Right. But uh, 90% of the guys that come through here was just come through for a week or two and get a stake and out of here. And the ones that wanted to stay and stay with their deal and sure enough was the sure enough cowboys that wanted to cowboy the right way. And, and uh, now it's all four-wheelers and sidekicks and all of that, but uh, some ranchers don't even want a horse around their they cattle. Don't, they don't. Craziest thing I ever heard. They don't. I, I still, when I sneak away from her, uh, I'll still go help them, but she don't want me doing it or nothing. I'll go catch one for somebody or something like that. But uh, there's a lot of difference in in uh, being a cowboy and knowing how to do something, and being a cowboy and talking how to do something. You know what I'm saying? And to me, and I'm not saying this to be sarcastic or nothing, but, like, I'm a big fan of cutting horses. 
I love cutting horses. I love to watch them. I'm a bigger fan of a good cow horse. And there's a lot of difference in a cutting horse and a cow horse. A lot of difference. You wouldn't think it, but there's a lot of difference. Because, I'm going to tell you this story. <laughs> <laughs> this Dale Court guy, where I leave, <laughs> he's, he's, he buys and sends off and has this cutting horse trade. And we had about 200, 250 yearlings pushed up in the corner down there by the Mike place. We'd had 15, 20. He had a heifers got in with the steers or steers got in with the heifers. And we were just sorting them out and taking them back. He rides his cutting horse in there. He said, I want to, I want to, I want to sort them. We said, get after it. So we set out <laughs> around there. He'd go in, bring one out. And if he come out by you, you'd move over and block the, block the hole, you know, and this and that. And uh, Anyway, somewhere along there, I couldn't stand it no more. I said, uh, let me turn him back for him. I was riding a little Bill Doolin bread. I broke him. His name was Buck Jr. He was Bill Doolin, Little King Cross, and a cow horse. I'm talking cow horse. He's working one through, and I'm pushing him back. And every once in a while, I turn one back toward him. Might not want to go there, you know. And anyway, I was playing with him. I want to see what kind. And then it gets down to me and him, cow to cow, horse to horse. And I just stayed with him in about five swipes, and that cutting horse stood on its back legs and sold the farm. I tipped my hat to him, laughed, <laughs> laughed and rode out. And, but hey, I was kind of ornery back in my younger days. You know? Yeah, the younger days. <laughs> <laughs> These former boys are known for their honoriness. Right. Did you Man. have a, a favorite horse? Me? Him? He was your favorite? Here? Uh, I rode him in Cheyenne. He weighed 1,020 pounds. Yeah. Trip steers on him. Everett Shaw was flagging. I pulled in there and I said, Everett, my gosh, where'd you get these monsters? And we always tripped bigger steers, you know, and uh, back then. And uh, he said, oh, so-and-so. And he said, we've had them on full feed. And I said, well, I can see you have. Why are they weighing? He said, they average 800. <laughs> My horse weighed 1,020 pounds. But you could not make him look down the rope. When you went to the end over and he turned him, when they stuck in the ground, he'd be reaching over here getting more ground to move him. And he'd stay like he was supposed to. He was my favorite on the ranch, yeah. Mm -hmm. And but I had a lot, a lot, a lot of super good horses here, young horses. And like I said, a lot of them, a lot of them guys got to buying them. And uh, EC thought that was the greatest thing ever was. One year he said, "Give me his credit card," and my wife and I headed for Cheyenne and '65 Chevy and Paula, a one horse trailer, and EC's credit card. <laughs> <laughs> What would a how much would a good horse like that bring then? Back then, mm -hmm. seven eight hundred. Really? Couldn't touch them for one hundred fifty thousand now. Yeah. Couldn't touch them. Oh. But uh, if you could go buy one right now today for one hundred fifty thousand, everybody'd be riding one. Yeah. You can't even go buy one for one hundred fifty thousand now and, if you're looking. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm I don't I'm not I don't put the I'm not one to put anybody down. Very much, but back then, cowboys were ranch cowboys. 
the trippers, the calf ropers, you know, Troy Fort, Olin Young, Sonny Davis, just keep on. They had ranches and they made themselves out here working every day on, and now it's in a gym roping 115, 20 pound babies, calf roping, 300 pound steers in the steer roping. You can do that on Shetland Pony. <laughs> and uh, you know what I'm saying? And, and well, yeah. I got nothing against that. That makes for good watching, but it was a whole different era, a whole different setup, a whole different set of cowboys. You ever rode one of them horses, Mick, that they didn't go out and do some miles and day work on and just went straight to the arena with? You ever yes. rode one of those, Mick? Yep, all the time. <laughs> Bud Morgan, you know. Most he, aggravating thing in the world to get on. Yeah. Uh, Bud Morgan, uh, he came from uh, Dale Robertson. What horse was that Dale had, the big, nice stud? Yeah, I can't think of He had of some it. nice horses. Yeah. Play, but – Tales but, of Will Far- Wells Fargo, too, yeah. is, for people who don't know who Dale Robertson was. He, he, he come up here and went to work, and he was a calf roping, steer tripping dude and worked a while. He was a cowboy. Yeah. But if he was going to go to a tripping uh, tomorrow, he'd ride that tripping horse two days in a row working, not roping, working, working cattle. And when he got there, he said he'd be tired wanting to work. And, uh, that's the way my dad always was, man. That's, that's the way with the calf horses. He'd take a calf horse if he's going to a big calf roping. But, like I said, them calves all the way, 300 pounds. They didn't rope a little baby. At, at one time, the PRCA had a rule that you couldn't rope anything less than, what, 200, 250 pounds in a calf rope? They still got all kind of rules in there. And now there's that's, that's little old things. Is I feel sorry for them little old calves, but anyway... It looks looks cool and fast the way they do it, but to me, them boys back then was cowboys, and and they were they were self made. And anyway, I'm gonna shut up. You know, I was watching the 1959 NFR the other day, Jimbo, and I was focused in on the bulldogging, mm-hmm. steer wrestling. By God, back then that was truly bulldogging or steer wrestling. Yep. Some of them big old guys that get down on them bookers. <laughs> They and they just lift their head and take off with them. Take off? Yeah. I mean, like a 12-second run was big time in yep. the bulldog yeah. then. You know, everything's changed a little Everything bit. Everything has changed. <laughs> you said that right. Everything has changed. Mick, what about the cook shack? Joe was talking about the cook shack. Cook shack over there, the, the cooks would come and go kind of like a bunch of the cowboys. They, they couldn't cook or... And EC always wanted somebody to take care of his hands, feed them a good meal. And they would uh, come and go and come and go and come and go. <coughs> At one point, I don't know how it come about, never did ask, and don't care because uh, she fed me a lot of good meals. My mother went to work cooking for the Cowboys. She'd feed from 20 to 50 guys. But, you know, she'd get up in the morning, whip the eggs on, uh, get the breakfast done, and she'd jump in and go up here and feed all these guys and jump in and go back down there and supper ready for all the kids and stuff down there, you know. And uh, and and you didn't eat. Like I said, E.C. wanted his hands to eat food. Now, there's a lot of days we were working calves if he was sure to cook or the cooks wasn't there, that Kathleen would come pulling in 
and she'd drive up there with her water can, her cans of Spam, and her little cans of beanie weenies or <laughs> pork and beans, and that's what she got for lunch. But she didn't mind it. I mean, heck, it was food, you know. But in any way possible, EC made sure you ate. And he, he, he wanted everybody to eat. My dad ran growing up. No lunch break. <coughs> None. Yeah. Ever. No. And the oil field used to say, what are we going to take off for lunch? And say, one glove. <laughs> <laughs> one glove. There you go. But uh, I don't know. It, it, to me, this was probably one of the, if not, I know it was one of, one of the biggest working ranches going in early times and the real cowboy way, the real cowboy way. I think this all started with just one allotment, didn't it? 640 acres of, uh, of Kathleen's Kathleen was, was Osage. Right. And her dad was Buck Boren. And uh, Gene, he was a white man. But then and it just kind of took off. And, and His dad was a banker, wasn't he? I think. I don't really From Cleveland, know. I believe. That uh, Mondor Mansion. Have you seen the Mondor Mansion down in Cleveland? No, I haven't. Yeah. It's right as you go in town, before you actually get in town, you turn left and go down there a little way, and it's a big brick two story house. And that's the Mondor Mansion. That was Gene's dad. That's where he was raised. So the headquarters is her original allotment. So right. 640 yeah. acres right around yeah. here. Yeah. And they and just added to it till it was whatever. Yeah. Just added on, and I can't remember the exact figures because it's been too many years. But I think at one time he had close to forty, forty-five thousand acres owned and leased, and I—it was unreal the amount of cattle that he ran. You know, all yearlings, or did they cow calf? Cow calf. Only time he'd have yearlings is when he weaned them. He would winter them, summer them, and then ship them. And but he had a really, really nice Angus black baldy crosses, and that's about all he ever had. That's about all he stuck with. So the big yellow uh-huh. building down there, which was the old, I think originally it was the train um, repaired. That place, was that was for. Uh, didn't they turn that into a feed mill? And then, what didn't did they grow I, some grains and alfalfa down there in that bottom ground by that the that bottom land was all farm ground, and uh, they'd plant that in wheat, and uh, he'd put them yearlings on there until uh, the wheat was gone, and that's when he'd finish them, you know, in the pasture. He didn't graze it in the summertime; he grazed the wheat in the wintertime and in the fall. But uh, High Langston, <coughs> he was over that big shed down there in the farming and stuff like that. And uh, he lived out here by uh, Caney, there on the corner. Uh, he was a he was his farm man. So that's they call like uh, the water district calls that house not Matt Camp but the other house we call it the Wheat House but they call it the Langston House. Yeah, High Langston, mm-hmm. that was his name. And he was an elder man when I was here, and uh, he was still here when I left, I think, pretty sure. But he, he, he was just a farm man. He, he did all the farming, all the bush hogging, and 
Lonnie Carriger, did you know him? He was from Pahuskin. He did some farming up here, too. I can't call him. Yeah. What about Chubb? He probably is farming a bunch of marijuana down there on Chubb? that rich farmland. Everybody, everybody's got the wrong idea about Chubb. Uh, Chubb, nicest man you'd ever want to meet. I grew up, you see in them pictures, uh, I grew up with him for years. He would come and help me work cattle. Loved to hunt, loved to hunt, and was a marksman with a gun and uh, good of friends you'd ever have. He'd never, never start any trouble with anybody, never. But don't start any with him. Didn't last long. But uh, so he he's kind of got kind of a bad reputation well, for being mean. That, Is that because people would pick at him? No, if they did, uh, it didn't last ten seconds. Oh. But uh, he uh, he got yeah. I'm not saying he didn't, but he, uh, of course there's a lot of them. But he he start, he started getting into the marijuana stuff and all that. But that didn't change him any. And. Uh, I don't know. He hauled me to junior. I went to junior rodeos with him. me and him and take number four. He sees kid with us. We babysat him. We this, that, or the other. And I'd trust him with my life. And we was walking around that horse barn up there one day. Chubb says, Mick. I said, yeah. And you can edit any of this you want to. Uh, he said, they're going to kill that guy. He said, I don't know how close I'm going to be or if I can even stop it. I said, take care of yourself. And anyway, they wound up doing it. He didn't do it. But I don't care who says he did, he didn't. And I think the only, there might be one person left alive that knows who did, but Kent Tibbetts knew who did. And uh, he passed a few years ago. He's another good friend of mine. Chubbs was a good friend. Of he was a bronc rider, wasn't he, Kent? He's, he was a bronc rider, a bull rider, a bulldogger. He was a Yeah, I knew him growing wild up. He was cat. A... <laughs> he, he, was, he was like your mom. He was a wildcat. That's Kent. all I ever knew was wildcats. Yeah, and... Uh, I thought they were normal people, but, all these outlaws yeah, and but, uh, stuff. No, I thought the world was Chubb, and I still do. And uh, I'm just glad that they didn't get him, but... Uh, who you think did get him? Who do I think? Yeah. Mafia. He'd borrowed money from them. Is that the story? Yeah. Were they around? Were, did they come around the ranch? One did. Kansas City wasn't far away. No. One Not if you owe money. They'll One find did. You. Don't ask me where he's at. I won't tell you. <laughs> One did. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, Chubb didn't kill him. Chubb didn't kill him. Uh, Ain't no oh. way. Chubb liked him. Chubb liked him. And if he would have wanted to kill him, he could have done it any time he wanted to in a, right. a way nobody knew anything about. And Ain't it wild? Half the people that knew him say he did it. Half the people that knew him love him to death and say there's no way he would have done it. This is what it's I've just got such a do. murder mystery. It you is. Know? This, this yeah. is uh, the one that the, this this is my going to hurt might hurt your feelings on that book down there in your store. No, store. it ain't hurting our feelings on anything. But, uh, this Dale Lewis guy, footprints in the dude. Whoo! Buffalo Dale. <laughs> Bullshit Dale. Dude. Uh, <laughs> that's the biggest crock it ever was. That's just something for somebody to read. But, uh, 
What I what did EC drive? Cadillac. Through the pastures. Yeah. He put a a full half inch three quarter belly pan on him. Most of them was yellow. And if he wanted to come see you out there working cattle, he'd come through there. And if a cow took off, he'd head her in that Cadillac, and he'd hit them, he'd hit them rocks, and when he got done with it, he'd pull the belly pan off and tell them it come from a come from a rancher or something. He never did tell him what he'd done in it, but he. <laughs> You know, Laura, uh, he said EC the fourth. He came in the store here one day, and he said one time he had 100,000 head of goats up here. 100,000 head of goats. I can't even imagine keeping 70 goats anymore. He had got into the the goat business pretty heavy, going around grazing people's stuff, cleaning it up for them every time, you know. uh, uh, So they they leased them out to clean mm -hmm. up other people's place. Yeah. We, we think it probably will take in the tens of thousands to not have to spray here, and that's our goal. But I don't think they ever sprayed here, but it was never overpastured. Yeah. Never overpassed. He had a place for the mares on the south mm-hmm. and had a places for the goats, and he would not. That's why he had that goat, uh, Oscar, and sheep was the same way. He never overpastured his pastures, mm-hmm. but he had a lot of cattle. Was the do? You, do we have a lot more trees now than you no. remember? Because there's like in the Mullendore murder book, they just talk about the big wide open prairies that now are tree covered. But pretty much it's been the same pretty now. Same, pretty same. Yeah, they just got bigger. I was a bucking when I was going to cry across that field right there with that cart tied to that horse that day. <laughs> I was telling you about what you yeah. but anyway. Now I'll tell you a story about, back to how they talked about them horses being raunchy in this. I broke a, I broke one of them little king horses. And it, I couldn't, I never did find out who his mama was, but uh, uh, I called him four-year-old. He was four years old and I broke him. My girls learned to ride on him. And coming off right about a mile south down there, I was coming off of that hill, and there was a boar hog that tall and had tushes that long come off that hill. And I built to him, and just as I started to rope him, he spun around and hung that tush in his ankle. And I roped him. One of, one of, my, one of the cowboys that was with me, they heeled him down, this boar hog, and we knocked his tushes out and made a guilt or a burrow out of him turned him loose well that hoof never did heal solid it had a little growth like this huh. so i just give him the kids to ride ec asked me one day was in that middle gap pasture and was going to work it he said can you take number four horse and i said yes sir <coughs> i took that horse over there for him and he's seven or eight and I put him in the pen. We went gathering that pasture, and I, I told somebody that was there close. I said, "If you see EC come in, tell him do not put that boy on this horse till somebody gets back close to him." And we're getting probably four hundred head bunched up coming in. I see EC set him on him, lead him out there, and hand him the reins. Ah! Oh. <laughs> I take off as hard as I can go. And about the time I get up there, some of them start, and the pen's set out in the middle of the pasture. 
Uh, never did have very many pins that sat in a corner. One of them th- throwed her head up and come around that pin, and that little horse he is on, cow horse. Them ears went up, and I was still kicking. I was trying to get there. She run by him and then, or run at him and then went by, and when he done, she swung over run to header and he went to screaming and grabbed that horn with both hands and when he went by that cow he scotched in and then he seen that boy didn't have him and he throwed his head up and i was cutting across and when we met i reached and grabbed him by the back of the collar i reached and grabbed him pulled him off and that horse went out of sight well that blue stem grass about this tall everywhere and them blind ditches everywhere just as I snatched him up and sat down to get stopped, that horse went out of sight, and he went on one of them blind ditches. Oh, down. man. Jeez. I told EC, I said, do not do that again. If you want him to ride, put him in a pen. Put him in a pen in there. But they wasn't mean horses. They were, some of them was. I still say it was in who was training, who wasn't. But that goes with any breed you got, any kind right. you got. Where's the old landing strip up here? Because Kathleen used to fly all right the time. Right out there. Right out there over the fence. She'd fence. fly to go get groceries and stuff, the way they talk. I don't know if that's true or not. But Didn't you say she used to fly her kids to school? Yeah. Herself? Right wherever they're going to school yeah, at, college? Had, it was right over, that, right over the fence. Went north and south. <laughs> I can't imagine. But she just flew like it was nothing. It's yeah. funny. You talk about all the pastures, and we pretty much call them, you know, the mayor pasture, South Gap. Um, same names, but when we bought the ranch, most of the interior fences had fallen. I and can believe that. So many, many we're slowly years. getting them built back. So yeah. you're trying to get it many, so we can many. rotate But again. like I said, uh, one of his pastures will able to have 600 acres, 700 acres in yeah. it. And it wasn't yeah. like he put 40 cows out there and 100 acres or something, you know. They... You go together a pasture of cows, you went together a pasture of cows. Mick, you're one of those roping oakies. Your whole family are roping oakies. Uh, somebody started that. How room. the heck did y'all get started roping, all of you? I mean, there's too many of them to even count. We Great were, ropers. Uh, well, so I keep saying we because I'm the oldest, but. We were up a lot of goats down at home before we come up here. We had a goat arena down home. We'd rope goats. Off a horse? Yeah. Team <laughs> you got to be a roping booger to rope a goat team on foot. Them. We'd team rope them, you know. And, uh, were you they big buy, goats? You, big, them old big Spanish goats. You'd buy them for a quarter, 50 cents. <laughs> you were team roping them? Did everybody do that? Practice on goats? No, not everybody. You just had to want it. You had to want to do it. Goat can be pretty you fast. had to be very, very good with a rope. Yeah. yeah. They'll learn to and duck. you got to be mounted pretty good. <laughs> Something that can track a goat. They'll learn to duck pretty quick. But <laughs> they'll also make a horse learn to cow pretty quick, too. Uh-huh. You know? yeah. and, uh, but that, that's kind of where it started, just roping goats. And when we come up here, well, uh, if, if one started, or if you was a pen, old-time cowboying, and one went by you, Pin what you got, and if it was only one, you caught it and brought it back, you know, and you better not miss or they'd put you on the hard end of the labor the rest of the day. So I tell the guys, that the young boys today, I said, the three most things you want to remember in learning to how to win 
And I said, you take any one of them out, you might as well do something else. First thing you got to do is learn how to score your horse. And then you got to learn how to ride your horse in position that you know you're going to catch. And then you catch. And if you take any of them out, you just do something else because that don't work that way. They'll look at me like, okay. <laughs> Who are some of the cowboys that worked up here besides foremans? Oh, there were some ghosts that work here. Uh, Jim Ghost, uh, his brother Dan, Aura Brown, uh, my dad, my uncle. I was at the truck stop this morning, and um, Brooke was telling me Forest family. Forest. Uh, they're from down and around down there. Uh, I didn't know any forest that worked up here, but I know some forest down in my country. Yeah. Uh, like I said, uh, Joe Snyder worked for him for a while. Uh, George Hinkle worked for him for a while. Uh, Billy Joe Dillbeck. Billy Joe worked for him for a while. He was a good dude. Sounded like a lot of beer drinking night took place, too. Uh, yeah. Where was the watering hole at around here, the closest one? Uh, Caney. Caney? No. Yeah. No, not Caney. What's that little? Copan. Copan, and then you go that way. Caney's north. Go that way. Hula? Huh? High road. No. They said there were all little watering holes all around, like up by Hula Reservoir and um, Dutchman. The Dutchman. They all. Is we'd that have, what that was called? Yeah, we'd have to make a Mountain Dew cooler stop every every time you went by there. You know. Mm. At Milton, when I was talking to Milton, um, so the guy at the Hula Cafe, Milton's mom would let him ride his horse down to the cafe and get a banana. And he'd get a banana almost every day and yeah. then drive, uh, ride his horse home. Yeah. They, they uh, the Dutchman and you said Water Hole, that was the original name of that place was a water hole. Mm. We tied Jim Ghost on the back of a truck over there because he got drunk on his working cattle and it's about snowed 17 inches that day. And we tied him on the back of that flatbed and hauled him home trying to sober him up for his. <laughs> Got to his wife. He come to work the next day and had black eyes and swelled up jaws. And he said, "I went in there to take a shower, and she caught me with that skillet." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Every time I raised my head up, kaboom." <laughs> we were talking about a watering hole over by Pahuska the other day. The old Y bar. Did you ever go in that thing? I never did. I never, never did. I never did. I never was a. A drinker. Yes, sir. You know, uh, a lot of the cowboys did. My Uncle Doodle, he loved to drink that beer. Joe Snively, he loved to drink that beer. But they were, they could do their job. Uh, maybe not quite as good when they got, <laughs> but, you know, they could they could do it. It kind of went along with the deal. George Hinkle, he would drink 24-7. I wish you'd known George Hinkle. He, oh, he was Justin's uh, step-grandfather. Court a day. A court a day. He was a character. Ooh. I worked with him a little bit well then uh, yeah, yeah. with George Carter. And he was married to an Osage lady. Yeah. And uh, they were related to the Pattersons. Okay. I think his wife. Was, uh, George's. Uh, George's wife was Mary Patterson's. Mother. Mother. And, and Mary, she married ben, ben. Right. And that's where they come up with mm-hmm. Justin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boy, that guy could rope, though, couldn't he? Justin could rope. Woo-wee. Yeah, 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 he could rope. Holy moly. He's another one of the rope and okies. 
he 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 just he got big. But, uh, I like competition. I loved it. I thrived on it. I thrived on it. You've been all over roping, haven't you? Everywhere. Those big jackpots out in California. Uh, not so many of the jackpots. But went out there to a couple rodeos. Yes, sir. Uh, I had a guy, a good friend of mine, Malcolm Baldridge. He got killed in a horse accident, but uh, he was in the White House in the cat one of the cabinets, and a big, tall, square-shouldered Englishman. And he had arthritis in his back, and he wrote a team roping article and tried to get it published, and nobody published it. And he sends word to me, Clem McSpadden. Uh, he wanted to know if, uh, back my story up just a tad, he wanted to know if I'd rope with him at the prison rodeo in McAllister and furnish horses, and I said, yeah. <coughs> and then Malcolm calls me. We placed in the rodeo. Uh, he calls me a little later. Bobby Joe was just a baby. That's how long ago it was, and I ain't going to tell you how old she is. But uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh he said, any way you can go to California with me? I was working. I said, what's on your mind? He said, uh, I want to pick you up in an airplane. I want to go to Bob Ragsdale's place, and I want to make a team roping story. I want you to go. I said, yeah, I'll go with you. We flew in a jet airplane, a little miniature jet, Go Waters Pilots. He had... Goldwater's pilots, and that thing would. First time I was ever on one, I scared to death. But anyway, <laughs> we flew out there. He hired Harvey Erickton, and I can't remember that other boy. One of them was a writer, one of them was a photographer out of New York. Professionals, and he took them with us. They shot pictures, and they done this, and they done, and they wrote a big team roping article, and True Magazine published it for him. And, you have a copy of it, Cody? No? Somewhere I did have. I don't know if I still got it or if I do, I'll I'll bring it, let you let you look at it. Yeah. But uh we flew to Chowchilla and uh I rode Sammy Thurman's horses. You know who Sammy Thurman is? Heard of him. Okay, Sammy is a her. And uh she she uh comes a horseman. You ever watch that movie, Comes a Horseman, James Caan? No, sir. Okay, you need to watch that. There's a big chestnut sorrel ball-faced horse in there, and they're roping cattle, Hereford cattle out, and it's in this deal there. And every once in a while, H.P. will bust it on one trip it. But I rode that horse. That was her horse in the team roping. And uh, me and Malcolm split the team roping with Reg and Leo. And Chowchilla. Camarillos. Yeah. And uh, uh, we went to Indio. Uh, I think he missed a rope to leg or something like that. But uh, we flew from there down to Indio, and he had somebody drive the horses down there. And I was feeling like a you big, were big shot. I, I, you? I was feeling like I was a big shot. And didn't, have two, <laughs> didn't have $2 in my pocket. You, know? <laughs> you boy just go on and take the horses down there. We're going to take the jet. Yeah, but... Uh, no, he he was a practice and horse fell on him, killed him. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and uh, he he was a good man. Good man. I remember the name. He was in the cabinet. You know, Malcolm yeah. Baldridge. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> he was also the owner of a big ranch in Mexico, and he owns 
probably still does, is relative Scoville Manufacturing. Made the zipper on your pants and oh, your shirt. Yeah. Scoville, he owned factories. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, this is how young and dumb you are when you're young. He said, pick the ranch or pick any plant you want. He said, all I want you to do is if I call and say, let's go rope, be there. He said, you can run them. I said, ah, <laughs> having too much fun. <laughs> anyway, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Laura, there was supposed to be a school on this place. Is it still standing? I believe it was the um, Hewlett School that Mrs. Mullendore built. There's a up at the, as as you came in today. There's the old cornerstone that's up on the ranch on the entrance, and um, but she wanted a place for the Cowboys kids to be able to go to school, and so I think she built that school at Hewlett. It was closed when you were by the time you got here. Yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't there. Yeah. The 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 depot and the stockyards were still there. <clears throat> and then the little town, there's a bait shop in there and uh, Shook, Shook's Bait Shop. Yeah. It went out of business. And then the houses. This is one of the first lakes, Cody, that was built around here. It was built in the 50s, 54 or something. Yeah. So it, it was really a popular yep. fishing place. Yeah. Because you didn't have Caw and Keystone and those places. Yeah. Yeah. Did, uh, was your dad here when EC got killed? You said you'd yes. left. I left. My dad was here. He came to my house that night, and he said, man, they killed E.C., and he stayed all night with me. And, uh, Who did he think did it? Mafia? He, he, he was he one of them that didn't talk about it. He never would talk about it. But. Joe said that when he found that he was living up at Sedan Ranch, and when he found out about it, that Sherry went in there, had his wife at that time, went in there and went to packing her bag and said, the Mafia's killed E.C., they're going to kill us all. <laughs> what he told me the other night. Uh, well, I'll put it like this. Chubb didn't kill him, and, and the mafia didn't share, scare Chubb. They didn't scare him one bit. But, and if you looked at him, you could see he was a kind-natured guy. And, and But don't, don't do him wrong. Right. You know what I'm saying? He's your friend forever. Just don't do me wrong. You know. Well, his brother-in-law, Lonnie Brown, was kind of the same way. Did you ever know Lonnie? Yeah, I knew Lonnie. Yeah, I worked I with him Lonnie. quite a bit. Chubb's brother? Brother-in-law. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chubb's brother, or, or Chubb's boy, uh, and Chubb's brother. Uh, Lonnie Brown was Chubb's brother-in-law, and then Chubb's got a brother, Dwayne. Is it Dwayne? Dad has been many years. i seen him at Kent's funeral, and... and uh, Anyway, we had a really, really super nice visit there at that funeral. But, uh, Why do you think all the law pretty much have just blew it off as, I mean, they pretty well closed the case that Chubb did it, and Lonnie helped stage the murder and everything? They can't prove it. Just can't. That's the best they can come up with? That's the best they can come up with. They don't know. They're not, sm- well, I may not say that, but uh, Chubb didn't do it. Chubb didn't do it. I'll say it a million times. I'll a lot like he like he told somebody before he passed. I'll take it to my grave. That's what he told him, and uh, I'll take it to my grave. He didn't. He didn't do it. I guarantee he didn't. If you knew Chubb, he didn't do it. I know you didn't like Dale Court, but I built a barn for him in the seventies, late seventy eight or something. He's living up in Thayer, Kansas, mm-hmm. and and he said one Monday he said, uh, "Well, George Raymond, come see me." Over the weekend, I said, well, "Yeah, what do you want?" He said, "He's still talking about that morning. He still thinks Chubb did it. You know, he just couldn't believe that, that, that Wayman was still pursuing that angle." Yeah, and well, that always set me back. Consider a bit the source. I mean, Wayne, you know, 
he couldn't ever get nothing. He didn't have anything. He barking up the wrong tree, and instead of getting out there and sure enough trying to find out who did, maybe he didn't want to know who did. Who mm-hmm. knows? Like I said, the mafia didn't scare Chubb. Maybe they had Wayman scared to death. They can get Chubb to say, yeah. Makes a hero out of him. He don't have to worry about it. But uh, uh, He may have been putting up a front to try to find out, too, but I don't think he – I put it like this. I don't think he ever tried really, really hard to find out. Wasn't that hard, really, two and two together. It's wild, it's still a mystery wild, to this wild day. Story, wild story. Huh. You know, something that's always fascinated me about the foremans over there, you guys. I know you've never been, but your brother Dick he used to go down to Hawaii in team rope. And that always fascinated me as a kid for some reason. Yeah, he had, a, he had, there was some really, really nice Hawaiian people would come over here. And, uh, uh, Stony, Stony Joe. Joseph and uh, Dingy Joseph, uh, uh, Uncle Harold, good people. And uh, he kind of got in going over there, and uh, they were roping and learning to rope and, you know, got so, his foot in the door, and he would got in and going out there. and then, So he wouldn't take his own horses? Would he no, take, no, he wouldn't no, ship no, 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 no. It cost too much to ship one over. Man, back then it was, I sold them one or two horses, and uh, my nephew Cowboy sold uh, Brit, Brittany Joseph, uh, sold her a little heel horse, and I think they said it cost $1,000 to even get them on a boat. Hmm. And, but that's several years ago, you know. <clears throat> I don't know. I think he's out in Arizona now. How's he doing? I don't think really good. I don't. I don't ever see him. I don't. I really don't. I don't. He he comes in for a few months and goes back out there. I don't. I don't even know what he does out there. No kidding, because uh-uh. I'd figure you guys would. Because if you mention Mick, you mention Dick. Mick and Dick. Everybody does. <laughs> you know, they're just yeah. one and the same. Yeah. Uh, I've heard he's helping one of the ladies that come here from Hawaii. And I bought a place out there, and she's trying to put on some ropings. And I'm heard he's working for her. Now, I don't know that. Don't well, she's got a good hand working for her. Yeah, I don't know that for a fact, but I heard that now. Uh, I don't hear a whole lot. I just kind of stay over by myself and keep my nose out of paper business. And I want to live long enough to grow a beard like it. You ever see? <laughs> you better get roping. started. There's a good roper that lives over there by you, too, old Joel Maker. You ever see old Joel? <laughs> oh, yeah. Seen him, where was he at? A month or two ago, was at the casino. We stopped in there to get a meal. Bobby Joe bought us a steak in Tahlequah, and he was in there talking 100 mile an hour just like he always is chowing down. There was a waste. He'll still get on a horse and beat you, and I win tons of money with him. He's one of the best hands with a rope I've ever seen in my life. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, he is. He's Osage. And, uh, need to get him up here. He sat still long enough. He'd give you a good interview. Yeah, I've talked to him a few times. He, he stops in and sees me every time he's in town. Good, good, good. I see, I see him every night. Once in a while, I used to, but I see him every once in a while. 
Everybody to their own. That's what I tell them. You know, you got to be a good roper to get invited to the timed event to help those guys. And he'd oh, show up shit. with split reins, no tie down or nothing on this big old good looking bay horse he's riding at the time. Yeah, and was healing for these guys. Yeah, one rope. Rope both ends with it. Yep. One rope. Dang sure did. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, he's a good old Joel. He's I got his mama is the best in the world. She's way up there in years now and having some health problems, but uh she is a good lady. Now uh Tarzan, was that his real name? No, everybody. Because I was going to say, no one names their kid Tarzan anymore, but I guess. He passed about a year ago. Yes, sir, I knew that. And uh, everybody had nicknames, but me and Dick, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why we didn't, but uh, I'm the oldest Mick, then Dick, and then uh, Ann. So Tarzan was a brother. I had, I had, there were six boys and two girls. And I lost two of my brothers. Tars' name was Merle Anthony. And Short, he was my favorite brother. His name was Barry. Merle Jean, Barry Anthony. Barry Anthony was uh, Short. Merle Jean was Tars. And then Bogue that works on the ranch over here, Lennon Paul, uh, his name is Larry Franklin. His nickname's Bogue. And uh, my youngest brother is Walker Joe, and his nickname is Tex. And uh, that's about all of them I'm going to mention. They're all good ropers, aren't they? Yeah. Every one of them. Every one of them can rope. Really rope. Uh, Shorts Boy Cowboy is as bad as Joel, but kind of in the same predicament, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I've I've heard of Cowboy my whole life. Great roper. He's uh, a good hand. You got a cousin, Paul Lee, your cousin, I guess. Cousin, world champion. He's he's a he's one of the one of the only few that I'll claim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a cousin. He was Doodle's boy, my uncle Doodle. Did your dad and Doodle rope too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were. What about their dad? Uh, Joe, Joe Foreman. He's was he a, a roper boy. also? Yeah, he was a calf roper. No kidding. Yeah, he broke his arm. Way back, horse bucked him off, and he put a flyer sack around his, you know, you got your flyer, and made him a sling, and didn't go to the doctor. And when it healed up, it healed like this. He couldn't straighten it out, so he switched over and become Oh, my a, gosh. He switched over That's and become a, a lefty. I can't even pick my nose with my left hand. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, he roped. He roped, and, uh, yeah. There's a lot of ropers in your family. A lot of them. Bob Joe, she ropes. My wife used to one time, and then she fired me for heading for it. But uh, Bobby Joe ropes, team ropes, pasture ropes, head, heel, breakaway calves, run barrel. Uh, you got any young, young ropers coming up in the family somewhere? No. Nope. It's about all gone. Bad. That's I got, sad. I got it's a... Tyler Warren and Fisher are my grandsons, and they can rope anything that moves. But the, uh, they both work, and 
Tyler, he's kind that dang of, working gets in the way of all kind yeah, of roping. Well, all he, the time. he he he's kind of tied down. He's got kids. Fisher don't have any kids. He just eight to five and and likes doing what he's doing and don't care much about roping. But Tyler Warren is uh, Bobby Joe's boy, and Corbin Warren sired him. Tom Warren's boy, Corbin. Nice. Yeah, and uh, uh, Corbin was a good hand. He had to take his leg off. Diabetes uh, not too long ago. but uh, I don't know if anybody else is doing anything. Nobody I want to talk about if they are. So You still roping? Oh, yeah. I went uh, Saturday night, and they beat me. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I missed a couple. I shouldn't have, but that's all that practice I've been doing, I guess. <laughs> Once you think you got this roping figured out, it does definitely uh, humble you real yeah, quick I sometimes. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Laura, what kind of plans have you got for the ranch in this house? Well, you know, we had started thinking we would um, do some bigger events, but really we've decided that we keep it for family, and we, we have some kind of more intimate retreats here. We had a photography retreat. The Art of the Cowgirl was here, and they've, um, they're going to come back next year and make it their, their second gather. So there will be a lot of uh, young art women here for uh, in October next year. It will be a great thing for Osage County. And we just, you know, our our family is all busy. We we have an operation in Texas that our son runs for us, and um, they saved a small dying town down in Texas, Jimbo. My really? son has really done an incredible job where he's from, and and so now we just use it as a gathering place for our family and friends. And we've had a couple family weddings here, and it's really special when you have a family wedding here, and so that's. That's how we're going to keep it. Now, do you rent rooms? I mean, do you, overnight? Not usually. Only if, you know, like the both of our family weddings, their families have stayed here, and um, we cook for them here. It's, you know, it's so far out of the way, you kind of got to cook. We've downtown got, they do, Jimbo. Okay. Yeah, I, I got, knew that, yeah, but I thought downtown. maybe here. They got rooms but downtown. But here it's really going to be a family retreat place okay. and, you know, maybe some banking retreats, things like that. But it's just such a special place. You hate to not share it at all, but yeah. then – you know, it's also as well kept as it is. It's fragile, and should be, so you got to take good care of it. Wow! You can just feel the history walking in here, Jimbo. Oh yeah! How grand of a place it is, and for sure, just everything. Yeah. And they've kept a lot of it original too, which is just so cool. Right? So cool. All this you know, stuff. It's just in like here. stepping back in the history. Yeah, I. Uh, this is a very. You know, they've had that controversial murder here on that ranch. I have some controversy myself here on this ranch, Jimbo. Uh-oh. What's that, Cody? Very, the very first weekend, I met my wife, Lauren, here, and she took me up here to a party and uh, went skinny dipping in the big pool that's shaped in the shaped as the brand, the Crossbell Pool. I'll never look at that pool again the same. <laughs> She's probably going to go drain it after this. That was like 14 years ago. I think they've ago. maybe redone the pool since then, so we're safe. So. <laughs> yeah, they said, let's all go skinny dipping in the pool. So I did, but I was the only one that didn't have any clothes on, Jimbo. I guess they just make go down to their right. underwear. You just misunderstood them, didn't you? I, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. So one of the first things, we, we are doing things like um, the Coffeeville Stockyards has an annual uh, cow, cow I sent them your here. way. Yes, Cody was great. Sent them our way, and it's been great. We've done it two years, but the first year we 
we had it over there by the pool, and I don't know, there were probably 600 people here. A lot just came because they wanted to see what we're doing on the ranch. And so anyway, there were about, I don't know, maybe 50, 50 little cowboys running around, and they they were so good, and we got done, and the, the guys left with the microphones, and the sale was over, and this one little cowboy comes up, and I was sitting on the side of the pool, and he says, ma'am, do you think we could go swimming? <laughs> and so I said, well, sure. Man, 30 seconds and 50 little cowboys all in their underwear and their jeans and yeah. hit that pool and they were swimming. But we like, you know, we're really family, community oriented and we want to share it in that way. And um, that's a good way. Yeah. You know, we, um, we, last weekend, we, you know, those girls at the Copan truck stop serve us all year round and they do it with a smile. Even with my, my husband is just, He's, he's worse than Cody. Well, that's a good place to eat, though. Teasing-wise. But, you know, we, we had a Christmas party for those girls and families. And, you know, th- those are the ways we want to be able to share the ranch, just community-wise. But but we do love it here, and we're not going anywhere. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I think it's There's great. only one thing I want to do. I want to bring my family and just look it over one day just yeah. before I kick out. You know, it's been good gosh. I don't know. I remember a lot of things. I ain't even told you a tenth of the things that went on. You know. yeah. Well, we'd love could, to have you. But, uh, I mean, it's uh, it's old-timey. It's old-fashioned. It was when I was here. I don't know what it's like now. and uh, But when I was here, I had a blast, and I, I enjoyed it. And uh, I would have probably stayed here, but me and – Mr. Court, I think he's dead now, ain't he? Yeah, he died. Yeah, we kind of got sideways on some things. Him and Joe didn't see idea. Uh, Joe stayed, but he didn't yeah, get along with him. Well, I, didn't, I didn't stay. I didn't want. I wasn't going to cause anybody any trouble. And the little horse I'm talking about, Buck Junior, that I tripped on, I broke. I had it wrote down one time the names of them, and we all got the horses. Seemed me like 60, 50, 60, 70 head of horses. And the cowboys took them out. And uh, I said, all I want out of that deal is I want this little, and he wasn't registered. I said, I want this little gilding. He wasn't nothing fancy. 14, two, weighed 1,020 pounds, just a little ranch horse. That was agreed on. And that's the one I stood quartz cutting horse on his hind legs, and he made sure I didn't get that horse when I left. But uh, anyway, uh, but I had another one I had bought and paid cash for and had papers on him, and he tried to get him, but he didn't get him. <laughs> well, uh, I don't like that sucker either. But we anyway, gave me that horse. Uh, or I would have probably stayed. I was probably been here when they killed him. But uh, How long did your dad stay after he Died. Not long. I know. Joe told me that he no. fired him right here in this house. He said he called him over, and, and Mr. Mondor fired Joe. What he told me the other night. Uh, my dad was was uh, Mac. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but uh, I don't know how long he stayed after he yeah. left. Yeah. But, yeah. You, my, Joe really speaks highly of your dad. Yeah. And Doodles both. Yeah, you know. Doodle. Joe Joe and Doodle were drinking buddies. Yeah. Drinking buddies, and they did drink. did drink. Doodle was a 
cut up. Real happy go lucky. Never say nothing bad about anybody. Never, never, never had a bad word to say. Had an aneurysm when he was forty six. Took his life. And uh, <laughs> I can tell you some stories on him and Polly too, but I ain't going to. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, he's uh, and Joe. Joe was just Joe. You know, he, I had no problem with Joe. Joe, he'd make a hand when he wanted to, and when he didn't, when he didn't, was on the hooch. Well, he was a hand, but he wasn't a good hand. You know what I mean? But, uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, I like Joe's wife, and they, I think they, uh, the redheaded one, which one? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sherry. One? Sherry, yeah. yeah they got she the was a nice lady, and I think they split up. Yeah. Uh, and I might have had a daughter. Had had three actually three yeah see I'm way behind times yeah but, uh, anyway uh, everybody that was here I got along with everybody yeah and I didn't have any trouble on anybody till that one deal well looky here this is how it went down and you'll understand more how where I'm coming from first day we show up at my dad's place we're all gonna go to ro- or go to work they say meet at my my dad's place. Dale walks out there. He said, all right, it's going to be this way. He said, everybody take their ropes off their horn and put them up. He said, no ropes. Be no rope and nothing. And we were going to the wheat pasture, the river bottom down there, to get the cattle off of wheat. One crossing down there, and you got to go down a one-lane cut in it across the river to get them back on this side and then you bring them all out. And he says it's going to be this way, this way. When he got done talking, everybody just got on their horses and rode off. They kept the ropes and everything. They didn't... We go down, get on the other side and we bring them up and we start crossing them. And I don't know how many was on that side of the river. There were several several hundred, but uh, we got them all across there down to about 30, and there's probably 15 cowboys there. It might have been 40 head, I don't know. But we'd bring them around that crossing, they'd get back. Some of them we'd cross over, just went on. We got down to about that number there, and I just pulled my rope off, and water wasn't all that deep, about like that. This time when we went and crossed them, I come back out of there. I built two. One of them roped him, spun around, come back. I come to that crossing, and right before I hit the water, that yearling choked down. You know, he choked down, fell over, and it creek river wasn't all that wide. And I just went on across. Water went that way, and here went another cowboy. Here went another one. Here went another one. <laughs> we rode drug every one of them across that river, and then went on. <laughs> That kind of started it all. Right. <laughs> I mean, don't come around here trying to throw your weight around. You, you need to join in here and see what's really going on. And, but It's like not putting your boots on, not having a rope on your side. <laughs> what's going on around here? Yeah. Anyway, it's. I had a blast when I was here. I had a blast. Loved it. You must have. Making $15 a month and still loving yeah. it. 
Nine years old. You did get a raise and, at some oh, point. I got didn't? thirty a month. I got fifteen every two weeks. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. I got thirty dollars a month. Yeah, and that was big money. I could take her to the fair and buy her a cheeseburger. We didn't have to sack <laughs> up a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. We go to the Tulsa Fair School, Cindy down there. You either bring your lunch or do without. We just belly up to a cheeseburger or something. We. I never was one to not want to have any money in my pocket. I was watching a deal about the Chapman Barnard Ranch the other day, yep. and they were interviewing all these old timers. It's been some time ago, and they were all talking about how hard life was, how hard the work was, how hard, 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 hard. The word hard was a lot, and they, every one of them said, "Well, would you go back to work on that ranch today?" Yeah, every one of them said it was the best time they ever had in their I life, wouldn't, wouldn't and uh, they would. Nothing. Go right back there today and live the same life they were living then. Yep. That they were just talking about everything was so hard. Yep. Yep. I would. I got it one morning, put them, I saddled up. We would always keep a one horse up to wrangle with. It wasn't even daylight. That's my job. I swung on around that horse trap I went and I thought, man, looked around. I, I thought I heard somebody holler. Nah. Got them horses in there and fed them. Running the house, and I didn't have to go to school that day. I swallowed my breakfast, come back out and saddled up. And they said, "Where's John? John Boland? He lived in. He come in from Kenwood. He was a cowboy, and he lived where they put me over there. And that was fifteen miles straight across to my dad's house." He had to ride there, get with us to go to work. And when we got done, he had to ride it back. And man, he ought to been here. Somebody said, "Do you hear somebody holler?" I said, "I thought I did a while ago." We listened. I said, "Yeah, it's coming over there." We kick up through there. The way he would be coming, everything was wire gates. You know, one no panel gates or nothing. It's all wire. We lope up there, and he's laying in that gate, horse on top of him, got his head pulled back over him. He said, man, you went by me a while ago. I was a hollered at you. I said, John, it was dark. I thought I heard you, but I didn't see you. So we get fencing pliers and cut that wire all loose and unseat his horse. Let the horse up and drag him back. He wasn't hung up or nothing. He wasn't hurt. He walked around there a little bit, saddled him up, patched the gate, and went on to work. He said, I've been laying there for two hours under this horse. Burning daylight. <laughs> he tried to get up. And he said, boy, it's a tussle there for a little while. Finally, he relaxed and give up. Oh, shoot. But, uh, that, was the, that, was, that was the cowboy back then. And uh, no trucks, no trailers. And, uh, ride there and ride back. And that cake pen every morning or every day when you had to put out those big sacks of cake, did you all call the cattle in or? Yeah, you'd start calling. And well, they, they did learned. you have a call? Did you have to go with the wind? Did you? No. You That's it right there. You just start calling. They'd see you, and they'd come, and you just start pushing. Had kick on up and open the gates and, or shut the gates, and, and when you got to the feed deal, they'd all be there. And like I said, when you put your feet out and you counted them in, which was three or four short, you found them. <coughs> but uh, that's... That's how that went down. So there wasn't a siren you turned on. No, no, nobody had sirens. Gotcha. Nothing like that. Many a day, I'd stop at that feed 
cake house and we'd shoulder that feed out, scatter it, and build us a little fire there to warm up to go the next one. And you could reach up and grab them hoodies with where you tied that, you'd tie that where you could breathe. I'd reach up and break ice off of it. And these guys think they've had it tough now. <laughs> uh, Jimbo said that, that the cake, they, the reason they used to call it cake is it was a lot like cake. Yeah. Said you could eat it. It smelled was, good it, and everything. It smelled good. It was a Purina brand, and it was a 32% cottonseed uh, cotton meal. Yes, sir. That's what he called it. And them cubes was about three inches. Yeah, you know, a little bigger than your thumb. It was, it was a good... It was a good feed. It had to be to be thirty-two percent protein, mm-hmm. and but it, if they had a lot of roughage, he never overpastured. And I don't remember. I think every other day is when the hay guys would go through with the hay. But you fed every day. When you first started hauling team roping, were they still two-man team tying them? Yes, sir. Square knots. Is that how you started? Yep. Tying the knot? Yep. Can you explain that to everybody for that's never seen it before or don't know what it is, the so team tie, tying? Yeah. The header ties his rope. This on. is how, now everyone that don't know what it is, this is how team roping got started. This is how they team roped in the National Finals Rodeo right up until almost the 80s. Mm-hmm. So They called it uh, square knotting is what they called it, but you had your ropes tied solid to the horn. Instead of roping and dallying, you <coughs> roped, and then you slowed up and turned him, and your healer healed it, and he was tied solid. He would spin around and go to the end, and you'd down the steer and tie a square knot around his back legs and throw your hands up, and that was your time. And it didn't matter if you caught one leg or two. If you caught two, it was easier for the horse and easier to tie, but if you caught one... Had a little had to have a little more ump in your horse to get him down, and uh, that was the square knot, and I did that for a long time. But I teach I teach I taught my head horse like a tripping horse. I'd rope him. I got my rope a lot shorter, and I'd rope him. And when he could come right here and turned out, I'd just step off, and he logged. And my healer come in there. I was on the ground. Ooh. So both ropers would get off to no, tie. No, just, just the one. header. Oh, okay. Just one. But I would I would get off of mine. It was a lot like steer roping, but yeah. you had a healer. Okay. Yeah. Help you get them down. And uh, they, you know, they just log off like a tripping horse. Now, if you were getting down and the steer was saying out here and your healers, everything's mm-hmm. fixing to come tight, did that steer ever ricochet back towards you and just take anybody out? Did you see that? I've seen it, seen it take a lot of them out, but... Uh, you had, that was a, a part of reading what you were doing. If you stepped off and you had to know your healer, if he was going to turn straight back or if he's going to angle. A lot of them, if they didn't have a stout horse, they'd go at an angle to try to jerk that leg out mm-hmm. or jerk it down that way. If your healer went straight back, you was not in a problem, but they called it getting in the V. Now, if you step down and you seen your healer start this way, you better squat down and duck under that rope because <laughs> if you didn't, you was a horse here, a horse here, and a steer here, and it was coming at you 60 mile an hour on that, you know, it'd take you out. I've seen a lot of them get took out. 
So I why never, did it change? California style. Yeah. It was hard on cattle, pretty rough, oh. you know. It was yeah. it was it, it was rough on them. It was rough on them. But when it, do you first remember Dalian starting? A California style of team rope, Arizona style. Seventies. I think it was in the seventies. What were y'all using before you put rubber on your saddle horns? Was it just cotton you put on there? Someone Didn't said put anything on there. And then when they started I I would like I said, I I, I I like to work at what I do and I like to find out and I'd ask the best of the best. I had to kind of scold Leo Camarilla before I really get to know him because we drove all the way to Colorado with a camera. I was wanting to see what this Dally team roping was all about, you know. And when he come out, and I entered the team or they entered the roping out there, but when he come out, I hollered at him. He kind of looked at me and shrugged it off, and I said, hey, you little. <laughs> I said, you want to take my money, but you don't want to visit? He come over, and I'd ask questions, and you know you got to ask to learn, learn it. It wasn't no different than square knot. It was just different things you needed to do to do it the winning way, you know, change over. But, you know, he was one of the first guys to teach people. Maybe you're the one that got him doing it, Mick, asking all them questions, thinking, oh, maybe there's something to this. I can, oh, you can learn. Something. I can learn somebody this. Yeah, you you can learn teach something them. every day from somebody. I'm never too old to learn something, and. Uh, I wanted to learn from the best. I went to the best. and He was the best team roper at the time. Him and uh, Walt Arnold, or Walt Woodard was just getting started. And uh, uh, HP was, Evitz, he was a good header. Uh, oh, there's several of them guys about half, well, I forgot half of them. But uh, anyway, learn from the best, study it, and get to be the best or do something different. <laughs> Well, Jimbo, what else you got for him today? Oh, I don't know. Just uh, it's a great history lesson to get to come up here and see this ranch, and and it's great to know that it's in good hands. What Laura's got planned, what she's doing with it, and what she's got planned for it, it's good to see it. Uh, I love to hear that too. Yeah, I love to hear that. Because yeah. and we want to thank Mick for coming up. Yeah. I do. He made a pretty good little drive to come over and visit well, with us. Any, but there's any, not that many Mulder hands left to talk to. <laughs> anytime. Anytime. I I don't mind talking about this ranch at all. You'll be back. Yeah, well, I'll come back either. I sure thought a lot of Mick all these years. But, uh, I always thought he was a great roper, too. His, his mama was my favorite. She was a little wildcat. Yeah. His daddy's a good guy, but right. he don't monkey with her. <laughs> <laughs> my mom's meaner than heck. She <laughs> On this tall, but she's a scrappy little dude. She's a scrappy little dude, Mick. I'm, I'm going to tell you this story now. I'm going to shut up. You guys quit or whatever. No. I'm at a rodeo. Hartshorn. And uh, I always called her Charlotte. What's her real name? Charla. Okay. And uh, she was running barrels down there. My wife, and so we was all down there at this rodeo. We're sitting there at the end of the bleachers. They're having a grand entry. I never was a grand entry man, but uh, we're sitting there visiting. And whew, that quick, over that fence she went. She grabbed this horse and stopped it. Snatched this guy's bridle off. Said, that is my bridle. <coughs> Come find out they broke in their, somebody had broken their place and stole a bunch of their tack. And he smiled off something anyway. She just left bridle back over and sat down. And she was mad and saying choice words. And they called the law. And 
Rocky ain't there, and I'm thinking, well, they called her to come up, so I went up, just walk up there with her so I could call Rocky if I needed to. This guy proceeds to open his mouth again. He lands on his back. Charlotte, <laughs> she unloaded on him. Boom. <laughs> Broke his nose. It, it, uh, they didn't get her bridled. They wanted it forever. <laughs> they was they was wanting for evidence. She said she told him, said, Well, you can't even find the other ones. This is the only one I've got found. I'm keeping it. <laughs> but anyway, she's a good Charlotte. You tell her I said that. I'll tell her. Yeah, I saw her break my dad's nose one time growing up. She's got a <laughs> bad little hook on her. Uh, I don't believe I don't uh I believe that. I yeah. you said I believe that. He probably deserved it, maybe. Who knows? Might have had it coming. Yeah. Ain't no telling. Yeah, anytime, anytime I can be of any help, just holler. I've enjoyed it fully. Well, Mick, you're one of the great team ropers from around here. If you were making Mount Rushmore of team ropers, whoever, four names, who would that be? Four names on the Mount Rushmore team roping, just your Mount Rushmore team roping. Okay. It don't have to be anybody I, else's. I got you. Uh, four best, I think. And uh, only four, though. Yeah, number one, not four teams. No, number one, Clay O'Brien. He'd have to go up there. He would have to go up there. Can't keep him off. No. And uh, number two, his his uh, lifestyle is not all that great. Joel Maker. I know knowing, knowing the game of team roping. Knowing the game of team roping. And being a winner, this is what I'm going off of. <coughs> Number three, Leo Camarillo. Uh, cornerstone of team roping right yeah, there. Yeah, Leo. Leo the Lion. That man was awesome. awesome. How did he get the nickname the Lion? Do you know? I guess because he was kind of mouthy and roared around a lot. You know, they, they said one time he gets up in the morning, he runs a mile. Uh has his breakfast, ropes for two or three hours, has his lunch, runs another mile, shoots pool for a while, and then goes back and ropes and said, you can't beat him at anything he does. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the fourth one, uh, man, I don't know. I'd have to think on that. Uh, There's a lot of talent, a lot of talent. But to help the team roping industry – I'd go Paul Pesca. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I'd go Paul Pesca. Paul Pesca, that's a... Yeah, he's he's an elder uh, superheader in his time. And he's like me. He's got old, and but he still competes. But that, that's the four I'd have to go with. If if you needed help... That's Corey Pesca, world champions. Yeah. Dad. I used to rope with old Corey when he was, Paul was trying to get him educated enough to get on the road, you know, but... Boy, that guy can rope. Yes, he Holy can. moly. Well, that's four great names. I'm glad to see old Joel Maker on there. Yeah. I I would put him on mine probably. Yeah. There's a few of those few of those guys who are just uh if you ever watched them rope, you yeah. know what we're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's where I'm going from. If you needed a if you needed an edge, if you needed a some little deal that you that's the four people I would ask. You know, one time I was at Prescott, Arizona at the rodeo, and one of the only times I was around Leo very much. And uh, 
if he liked you, he'd get in the box with you. Yeah. And by the time you nodded your head, you're pretty sure you're going to win something just yeah. for having him there because he's already got you pumped up and ready. Yeah. I mean, the second you ride in, he starts talking to you, telling you what you need to do, and yeah. uh, telling you how you're going to how you're probably going to win this thing. Yeah. And uh, he just get in the box with you on the ground. He's on different the ground. different people if he talking liked you. To, yeah, talk to you. To you. Yeah. Pumping you up. Tell you if you're out or not. You know, yeah. if you, if you don't break the barrier and you're close to it. All the guys down there going, you're out. But you could definitely hear Leo over yeah. everybody. When T-Woman and uh, Leo were roping together, they came to Cucklebird Junction. <clears throat> Big jackpot team roping. And uh, Ricky Green and Bobby McClellan, they were back here rodeoing. I roped quite a bit with Ricky while they were back here. But uh, yeah, T, after, T after, grew up not too far from here. After the... Uh, after the roping, they had a 10-head match. Bobby and uh, Ricky matched uh, T and Leo. And uh, Leo didn't bring a horse. He said, uh, can I ride your horse in a match? My horse is a head horse. And I said, I don't care. Ride him. And that was a good done horse. I had old Kojak. And uh, he came from Zeke Griffith. And... Uh, Anyway, they won the match. He won the match healing on my head horse, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> he was a bad cat. They probably could have borrowed the neighbor's donkey yeah. on that deal. Who knows about yeah. a guy like that? Yeah. 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 He's gone now. Ricky's gone now. Golly. Makes me old. Who would have thought you'd outlast them all, Mick? Who thought that? I don't know. <laughs> Holy moly. Well, you got anything else for Laura? No, just keep up the good work. What you're doing for Pahuska, we're just tickled And I said I was pretty picky about who can stay here, but you all three passed today. (laughs) Even me, for sure. Even you, Now he'll be in the pool again. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. Bring your families, please. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And uh, don't forget to rent your room downtown at the Cross Bell downtown. She's got rooms for rent. Uh, fully renovated. I, I've seen pictures of them. They look unbelievable is how they look. Mm-hmm. she got the big dance hall opening real soon. And uh, be sure and check out the Buck and Flamingo turquoise shop. And don't forget to hit the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum when you're in town. And, and he's got the best, uh, what's that stuff we come vanilla. in? Vanilla. Mexican Ooh. vanilla, we sell it. He's got oh. the best. He's, that's what we come up to get. We're going to have to. The pure stuff. Go Go from here to there. All right. Well, thanks for coming up, Mick. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Good to meet you. you bet. You're welcome anytime. Thank you, Jimbo. You bet. Thank you, Mick, for coming. Thanks uh, for letting us come on your historic you place here. Yes. yes. I appreciate yes. you guys this coming. This brings back a lot of memories. A lot of memories. All right. Well, until next week, we'll see you all. Later. Okay. Old stories like long lost friends Rodeos and late night bends History before our time Round pens and pasture rides Cowboys of the Osage